Welcome to the NatWest ESG Horizons podcast series, the series where we put a spotlight on our customers, highlighting new sustainability initiatives, opportunities, and perspectives. And in doing so, we hope to inform and inspire you, broadening your ESG horizon. For episode three of ESG Horizon, we are joined by Agustin Delgado, a Chief Innovation and Sustainability Officer at Ibedrona. So Ibedrona is a global energy leader that holds the title of being the number one producer of wind power and one of the world's biggest electricity utilities in terms of market capitalization. In this episode, we'll be discussing green hydrogen and how Ibedrona's project work Tulano is helping advance its technological maturity and making it a solution for efficient decarbonization in the midterm. So Augustin, uh, to, jump, to jump right into it, uh, can you please give us some background on the development uh, of green hydrogen uh, so far? Yes, sure, Pietro. Uh, so uh, it's true that uh, when we uh, start thinking about hydrogen, uh, we should make ourselves uh, the question, it is, what is the problem that hydrogen is going to solve, right? And I would say uh, hydrogen will be a, a nice energy carrier uh, that will solve two problems. First, uh, we know that the world wants to be a neutral, uh, carbon, carbon neutral in 2050, and electrification, although it's going to be the main energy carrier for that time, uh, is not going to be able to uh, uh, cover all the energy needs. And we expect like 20, 25% of the energy needs that are not going to be able, uh, the electricity is not going to be able to, to cover for them. So uh, we need to find out another energy carrier. And it looks like that uh, hydrogen-based uh, fuels uh, could be the solution. So this is one thing. But the truth is that uh, this uh, solution uh, is needed for 2050. Uh, before uh, arriving to that date, uh, we need to uh, first uh, decarbonize the whole power sector and then electrify as much as possible. The other solution uh, in which hydrogen is required, it is to decarbonize uh, some sectors today that uh, uh, emit CO2 uh, because of the hydrogen production that we have today uh, with fossil fuels, both with coal and natural gas through steam reforming. So uh, you have to bear in mind that there is like nine kilos of CO2 per every kilogram of hydrogen. And in the world, we are producing 80 million tons of hydrogen. So the emissions linked to the hydrogen production today are similar to a country like Germany. So we need to start decarbonizing all those emissions and it's very interesting. And uh, we can find uh, different industries in which we can do that like refineries or fertilizers or chemistry. The other point, and maybe we can talk about that later, it is the possibility that hydrogen offers to decarbonize some sectors like steel uh, and other industries uh, and help in the decarbonization on, uh, of those sectors. And I think this is also interesting. And this is the reason why a company like Iberdrola is uh, so interesting. Thank you, Agassin. And, and I think you mentioned there that there are, uh, of course, a number of challenges uh, intrinsically linked to, to this technology, uh, but also great opportunities. And, and you mentioned a couple of, of, of sectors there that would really benefit from the development of, of green hydrogen technologies. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit more on, on why is that, in particular, with regards to refineries, chemistry, and, and fertilizers? Sure. Uh, as I said, when we look 
at uh, the, the Hadrian sector today, uh, because one of the very important things whenever you start a hydrogen project is trying to look for uh, a consumer, an off-taker of the hydrogen, right? Uh, if we want to be big, if we want to uh, yes, uh, build small prototypes or projects, it's okay, but if you want to be uh, real, big, uh, scale, you need to look for uh, the off-taker. And uh, there are like three sectors. First one is refineries, second one is fertilizers, and third one, other chemistries that uses hydrogen. So uh, we, we, take, we took a look to those industries. First thing you realize, it is that most of the hydrogen production in the world, the majority of the hydrogen production in the world, in the world is co-located uh, to the factories that uses it. Because hydrogen is very difficult to uh, transport. So one of the first thing it is that we need to make an alliance with those uh, factories, either fertilizers, either refineries, uh, because we need to be into their processes and to incorporate the hydrogen that we were producing into their processes. This is one thing. The other thing is that we also want to make this hydrogen with renewable sources. And it's not that easy because most of these processes need a 24-7 steady flow of hydrogen. So you have to be able to uh, produce steady flows of green hydrogen with renewables, and this is not that easy. And this is one of the things that we are learning in our Puerto Llano project, how to produce this. One of the things that we are doing first, it is uh, the same as you collocate the hydrogen production facility with the uh, factory of fertilizers or whatever. We also want to have on-site production of renewables close to the hydrogen facility. So we can secure a, at least a percentage of the of the energy that is coming from a, a self-consumption. And this is one of the things that we are also doing in Puerto Llano. So fertilizers, refineries, chemistry. And then I would say the second group of those industries that are not using hydrogen today, but they could use hydrogen to decarbonize. And uh, one of the one that is worth mentioning, it's, uh, as, I, as I said before, the, uh, the green steel industry that uh, I think it's going to uh, flourish uh, in the next decade. Thanks. Very interesting. Uh, I quite like when, when you mentioned there, uh, go big or go home. And, and, and the importance of having uh, alliances uh, with uh, with different companies, uh, and also on the fact that you you really need to to be local for this technology to work. Uh, we, we we mentioned a couple of times now uh, this uh, project Portulano, the Portulano plant. Um, what is exactly uh, this project, uh, and uh, is there any challenges uh, involved in in, in this pro in, in this project? Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, Puerto Llano uh, is a city in the, in the center of Spain, and uh, it's an industrial city and it has uh, one of the biggest uh, fertilizer factories uh, in Spain. They have a steam reforming using natural gas to produce the hydrogen that is needed to uh, uh, put together with the nitrogen that they capture from the air and produce uh, ammonia. And with this ammonia, they produce the uh, the fertilizers. So, as I said, when we were thinking about hydrogen projects, we need to have a strong off-taker that uh, wanted to somehow start decarbonizing their processes. 
And uh, we wanted to start with, uh, let's say, uh, a demonstration project. When I'm talking about demonstration, I'm talking about the biggest electrolyzer plant that is being built today in uh, Europe. And it will start uh, producing the first molecule of hydrogen at the end of the year. So uh, we're talking about a real project, a big project, but for us, it's only a demonstration because uh, in this plant uh, and uh, in the other plant that they, uh, Fertiberia has in uh, Palos de la Frontera, we expect to uh, reach to 800 megawatts of electrolyzers to produce the hydrogen they need. So the challenge that we have found uh, are uh, different. Uh, first, uh, I would say it's very important to, be, to understand that you're not just producing the hydrogen and putting it in a pipe. That, as I said, is not that easy. And that's the reason why uh, all the hydrogen uh, production facilities are close to the factories. But we need to incorporate our hydrogen into a process that is running 24 seven. So this is the first thing. It is not a, a just you alone producing hydrogen. And we are developing technical solutions for this. First solution, to have some kind of storage of hydrogen and overcapacity in the electrolyzer so we can smooth our production and uh, give a steady flow to the factory. The other uh, challenge, it is to have the self-consumption plant. We are talking about a 100 megawatt PV plant linked to this 20 megawatt electrolyzer plant. So we have oversized the, the photovoltaic plant. Uh, so we can have more hours uh, of sun uh, used uh, to run our electrolyzer. Uh, we, we have had to, uh, uh, to link both of them uh, with a eight kilometers cable. Uh, and we have also um, incorporate a battery into the PV plant, so we can also uh, help to smooth the production of renewables. So all this is controlled uh, in our control center, uh, trying to uh, somehow adapt the renewable production uh, and all the assets to the hydrogen needs of the factory. Thank you. And, and those indeed are very, very, very big challenges uh, and, and, and glad that you're trying to, to find ways to, to solve them um, when, when thinking about these, these challenges uh, and thinking about how the Portolano plant is, is helping to, to solve them, is there also um, uh, any opportunities that arise from, from, from those um, thinking about new markets uh, or, or things along those lines? Yeah, sure. For us, first, uh, we are... Uh... We, we support that any uh, additional hydrogen production should uh, mean additional renewables. So we are talking about more renewables uh, and in the end, uh, uh, more uh, uh, electricity to produce this hydrogen. So this is a big opportunity. But as I said, the industries that are currently using hydrogen are only the starting for us. It's a big starting point because as I said before, uh, it's a big business. Uh, just have in mind that to, to cover uh, the refineries and the fertilizers uh, and the chemistry industry, we would need three terawatts hour more uh, of power in the world. This is like 10% of the, uh, even more of the total power consumption in the world today. So it speaks about the big opportunity. But uh, we, uh, as I said, this is at the starting point. 
but we are uh, already developing uh, ideas and projects uh, to uh, extend the use of hydrogen to other industries that are very difficult to decarbonize, as I said before, like uh, steel. Thanks, Agustin. As you mentioned, uh, some of these sectors uh, might find harder to decarbonize their operations. Um, on, on this note, uh, how can the development of green hydrogen help businesses uh, in these sectors? Yes, the, the idea it is that uh, if we look at uh, all the sectors in, in a global uh, perspective, uh, there, there are uh, industries that are very difficult to decarbonize. We have been in conversations with uh, steel companies, with uh, tiles companies, those who produce tiles for constructions that are using uh, natural gas today. Uh, we are uh, in conversations with food industry, with other industries that uh, somehow feel that they are very difficult for them to decarbonize, uh, that they will change most of their processes to electricity, but in the end, there is always a, a percentage that sometimes they, they cannot uh, uh, decarbonize, and they are asking us for help to uh, give a solution. As I said, we are at the infancy of this industry. We will start producing uh, uh, projects and concepts that will uh, uh, for sure need to evolve. Uh, we have to create a scale in the industry uh, to reduce the cost of the electrolyzers, the hardware uh, and uh, everything. And we also work, need to work hard uh, to uh, reduce uh, as much as possible the cost of renewables. Uh, so uh, the total cost, the, what we call LCOH, the levelized cost of hydrogen uh, goes uh, below uh, the cost of uh, the gray hydrogen making it competitive uh, for all these industries. So. We are developing the solutions. I feel that uh, we are today in the hydrogen space the same as we were in the year 2000 with renewables. And in 20 years, we were able to create an industry that uh, is competitive and uh, is growing uh, and is the, the, the big hope for the world to decarbonize. And I think that uh, if we do the same with hydrogen in 20 years, uh, it will be a competitive solution and, uh, and a tool that the world will have to decarbonize and, 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 and achieve the, this uh, net zero for 2050. Thanks, Agustin. Uh, that, that's incredibly fascinating. Um, as you say, uh, these are very big projects uh, with a uh, long-term view and ambition. Uh, now, uh, big projects obviously require financing. Uh, so linking back to that, uh, how did you finance the, the Puerto Lano project? Uh, and, and perhaps following on on that, uh, how can we make these projects financially sustainable uh, going forward? Yeah, this is an interesting question. Uh, well, the Portellano project, uh, we are doing it uh, ourselves. Uh, we wanted to demonstrate the technology and, uh, uh, well, it's an investment for us to, uh, to prove uh, that we are able to do the biggest projects. Uh, it's true that today the cost of hydrogen, uh, of green hydrogen is higher than the cost of uh, gray hydrogen. Uh, and uh, we think that uh, scheme uh, supports, uh, uh, some kind of support is going to be needed for some time, smart support uh, in terms of uh, uh, contract for difference or whatever, uh, to help the industry to go and ride down the learning curve and reduce the cost for different years. We need to commit as industry to reduce the cost. 
it's not a matter to keep uh, uh, the support as uh, forever, but it's to reduce the cost. This is the goal. And uh, the other important part that we need to explore more and more, it is the possibility for uh, customers to be willing to pay a premium uh, to use for, for using or having a decarbonized product uh, in, uh, in the uh, offering to the customers, right? So uh, just as, as, as an example, a car made of green steel would increase its cost in just uh, less than 100 euros. Are there customers willing to pay for a car that uh, in the life cycle uh, assessment of the CO2 footprint uh, has not emit because of the steel? Probably you will find them. So we need to uh, find support uh, from the government and we need to find niche markets uh, of people that is willing to pay for this premium and uh, help the industry to uh, write down, as I said before, the learning curve. Thanks. That's that's very interesting indeed. And 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 thinking about the uh, next project uh, in the pipeline and and reflecting on the um, on the project Pertulano, uh, were there any specific lessons that you learned that we will uh, perhaps implement uh, in the next phase uh, of this technological advancement? Well, first thing, it is that you need to work very closely with the electrolyzer manufacturer. The, the industry, it's, a, it's a starting, will grow very much in the next years. And uh, when we were talking with them, they were telling me that for them, they were uh, this kind of electrolyzers are first of a kind. So we need to work with them uh, to, to, to know that uh, this is not uh, off-the-shelf products uh, that you need to uh, understand uh, what could be the problems that you may have uh, on this uh, product that are first of a kind and uh, to know also what are the benefits that scale will uh, bring to uh, uh, decrease the cost. So... Um, we as industry, as uh, power produ producers, uh, have the, uh, the duty of reduce the energy cost of producing hydrogen and the industry of electrolyzers and the hardware industry uh, have also the, the duty of reducing the, the, how, the cost of the hardware so we can be competitive uh, in 10 years' time. Thanks, Augustine. Uh, and, and to wrap it up, I just wanted to, to end it a little bit on, on a personal note. We, we mentioned in a couple of occasions uh, that production of good that relies on green hydrogen can come at a little bit of a premium in terms of price. Um, you talked about cars manufactured with steel produced uh, using green hydrogen. Uh, and before that, when we were talking about, uh, about it offline, you also mentioned this concept of a carbon neutral beer. Uh, I'm not sure if you're a beer drinker, uh, but how much would you be willing to pay for, for a carbon neutral beer? Yes, I, I love beer. <laughs> and I would say that I would be one of the customers willing to pay in any brand a, a premium of a 5 or 10% uh, for having a beer that I know that the global footprint of producing this beer has been neutral. So, uh, and I have uh, tested with all my uh, friends that also love beer and they, would, they all would uh, be willing to pay 
this a bit more uh, uh, to, uh, to, do, to do the same. And it's not just uh, for CO2, but it's something that is happening in other uh, market segments. Uh, the same for those um, uh, products that uh, take care of, uh, uh, of animal health and, uh, or for those products that uh, have been made with less uh, uh, chemistry or whatever. So we think that uh, we can add uh, to the segment of the products that uh, are considered sustainable in this regard, uh, because they produce, uh, they, have, they have been done uh, with less CO2 emissions to the atmosphere. Very, very, very good. And I will echo some of those comments. Uh, well, uh, thank you very much, Agustin. Uh, and it's been a pleasure to, to have you uh, on the podcast today. Uh, and, and thank you very much for, for taking time off of your busy schedule. Uh, th there is a lot uh, to take away from this, uh, from my perspective, and, and the work uh, Ibedrola is doing uh, with regard to green hydrogen, I think, is, is really fantastic. Um, as, as we discussed, uh, green hydrogen is one of the uh, most effective ways to reduce carbon emissions uh, and, and to care for our planet, uh, especially uh, for industries such as refineries, uh, chemistry, fertilizer, uh, when looking at the medium term. Uh, I found it quite interesting also to see uh, that we are making uh, real progress on the advancement of this technology uh, and projects like the Puerto Lano plans uh, gives us hope for uh, what is coming up in the future uh, and hopefully we can reach a critical mass of green hydrogen um, adoption uh, going forward. And, and, and finally, I personally quite like the, the idea as well of a carbon neutral beer and I would personally be a buyer for sure. Um, and, and I find it quite interesting to see that uh, there we're really combining multiple aspects. You are uh, decarbonizing on the one hand, but at the same time, you're creating new opportunities uh, for the community uh, and you're creating uh, new markets as well. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the NatWest ESG Horizon podcast series. We hope you find this episode informative. We very much welcome your feedback and questions. Please email us at sustainablefinance at natwestmarkets.com. Thank you.